This is JLL's Perspectives podcast. I'm Rebecca Kent. We're covering a topic today that's absolutely fundamental to what I call everyone's sort of what now strategies, or put by people cleverer than me at JLL, their reimagined strategies. So it's data and whatever the technology or other sources that we get it from. And who needs it? Well, it's corporate real estate managers reimagining what a distancing, friendly, COVID compliant, collaborative, productive, enjoyable, efficient, right-sized workplace looks like for employees, managers of buildings who are ensuring that those buildings, whatever role they serve, continue to be fit for purpose, and uh, and building owners and investors who are grappling with how to make returns in this economic downturn and well beyond. So we've got Michael Taggart, the Asia-Pacific Head of Go-To-Market at JLL Technologies. Hi, Michael. Hi, Rebecca. And Sean Pereira, the Asia-Pacific Head of Business Intelligence and Analytics, also at JLL Technologies. Hi, Sean. Hey, Beck. Thanks for having me. So, Michael, we suddenly went to remote working and everyone was having to do most things through digital means and it vaulted us all forward, some people have said, five years into the future in a space of just a few months. So how has that uh, changed information that businesses have access to and the information that businesses need now to move forward? A number of the systems they had previously, I think they'll continue to use, um, there'll just be a increased focus on, you know, I guess the management of those systems and the accuracy of the data they're going to need to to better understand what is going on with their workforce as they, you know, work, like you said, even more flexibly than they they have historically. But also you're going to see you know, adaptations to existing systems as they try and address some of the new needs for reporting um, and, and data that have definitely come to the forefront since COVID-19. And then there's going to be a lot of complementary types of technology, uh, again, that weren't necessarily introduced solely uh, as a result of what's happened with COVID-19, but, you know, have also, you know, been able to pivot their products or add additional features or functions to their products that are now going to provide data that's going to contribute to organisations having a much better understanding of of what is going on in their workplace. Can we dive in a bit more specifically to what some of that hardware and software is that we expect or we should be turning to to make sort of more data-led decisions? Yeah, so I think you can almost um, look at it through two lenses. The first one being that, you know, organisations had started to I guess, increase the priority of having a really good understanding of what their real estate portfolio looked like today. And so this wasn't something new. It's definitely something that hasn't just um, accelerated specifically as a result of, of COVID-19, but um, organizations wanting to understand really accurately exactly how much space I have, where is this space, how does this space align with market rates, with you know lease termination and end dates and stuff like that. So I, I think there's definitely an increased focus on all of those, what we typically consider to be core real estate applications. Um, so tools that handle things like space planning and management, lease administration, portfolio forecasting, those types of things. They'll become core applications that every organization will need because they'll need to have really accurate transparency around and things like their portfolio. The second lens, I think, is more around the world of IoT and um, sensors and I guess not just sensors, but data sources that exist in buildings or have existed or will exist in buildings 
that are going to give both a combination of more real-time data around how the, the building is being utilized, but probably more importantly, and this isn't new, but it's definitely an increased focus on it, how they can get a really good understanding of what types of, of spaces and amenities and areas within the workplace are being used, how they're being used, and how that's changed based on you know people's perception of um, of social distancing and you know working more flexibly from home. Uh, we saw organisations start to look at things like you know workplace sensors that could provide insights into the types of spaces that were being used currently in a workplace, and maybe that could contribute to the design and, and fit out of a new workplace if they identified that. You know, conference rooms were being used, but um, smaller conference rooms were being used more often than larger ones. You know, how would that contribute to what the new workplace would look like? And likewise, if people were touching down um, in the office more than they were permanently sitting there every day of the week, you know, maybe more touchdown type space would be would be needed. So, you know, a lot of those, you know, smart building, smart workplace type sensor devices that provide that, you know, really accurate and granular information about what employees are actually doing in the spaces, you know, how often are they coming in? When are the busy periods throughout the day? You know, do we see a, a shift towards people just coming in for one day or two days a week and only coming in for a few hours just to be collaborative with people for smaller amounts of time and then spending more time working elsewhere? Uh, all of those devices are going to help, you know, paint that picture more accurately and, you know, will allow organizations to, to get a better understanding of what the actual impacts have been um, and then not only that, over time, continue to monitor. Yeah, I'll actually just add to that, Michael and, and Beck. What you've seen pre-COVID was a, was a mindset of throw the word technology and data analytics and try and view them as being synonymous to each other, throw them at the wall and see what sticks. And, you know, there's now a mindset during COVID and probably post-COVID of saying, okay, what business uh, questions am I trying to answer? What data sources and technologies do I need? Like you mentioned, Beck. But a question that I'm actually challenging our clients with and clients are actually quickly realizing is flip that narrative and start to say, instead of pushing ahead and looking for all the, you know, the new answer to the question, rather saying, well, what data do I already have? And start to adopt a mindset of inference. Now, you know, you look to our fintech colleagues, they're probably some of the best who operate in that inference space, look no further than like mergers and acquisitions. What can we infer from a company that we're trying to buy by looking at quantitative information? But the corporate real estate world actually has tons of information. We're notorious hoarders. So in our world, trying to say, well, what happened over a period of time that maybe there were some similarities that we can draw to what we're seeing here in COVID, where there's been perhaps a change, as Michael mentioned, of people being stuck in the office or a forced mentality of working in the office to this work from home mentality. Of course, it's accelerated now, but that quick change, can we extrapolate something from what we've seen previously and further to that, to, to what Michael just mentioned, of course, there's an adaption and a, and a thinking of what are the new technologies or specific technologies that I need. But what I'm seeing with clients at the moment is rather a focus on what business questions do I need to answer? Let's approach this through a technology ag agnostic mindset and really start to say, well, what information am I looking here? So an information sort of mindset. Real estate being notorious hoarders, I love that concept. So where do you even start to mine some of that information? And what are the questions businesses should be asking of themselves? Yeah, it's a very good question. And I guess, you know, how, how long have we got here to really break down the corporate real estate space? But I'll give you a, a, probably a tangible example that, that may help. So 
if I, and I've been working on a problem with this. So let's take the investor market as an example. So if I'm working in the investor market and I'm trying to talk to someone in the hotels or pubs space, now our traditional data will tell us great transactional information over buy, rent, sold sort of information, you know? And we can start to look at that over time back from the 90s and the 80s, the 80s, 90s, all the way up to the 2000s, et cetera. Along that time, the 92, um, you know, financial issues we had there, especially happening in, in 2008 as well. What, what happened in that time frame um, of our historical data and how can we extrapolate that and look to that now in 2020, right? But where I'd look to say, let's combine this and a real focus that I'm encouraging clients and JLL is really trying to push into is saying, let's tap into non-traditional data sources um, outside of CRE and bring those to the fore and see if we can stitch together a narrative. So back to my investor story, if I'm talking to a client right now and the client's saying, actually, we think we've got a bit of capital that we could invest in, a, in an asset, a pub or a hotel. Now, Sean, is that really the right time to do it now? Are we buying it on unders? Are we paying overs or can we get a distressed sale or something? So my historical data may tell me that yes, prices, median price change or variance is going to do something which is similar in current state to what I saw back in 2008. So perhaps I'm buying it on unders. But pre-COVID, what can I know about that asset with regards to how it was being utilized? So a great use of data is Uber's traffic flow. Uber movement, which is an open source that you can tap into, shows the most tra you know, the most viable data and useful data around traffic flow over a time frame. So I'd be looking at that data source and saying, well, this asset was used a lot, utilized XYZ between the periods of 10 a.m. and 1 a.m. perhaps. And I can see that that has obviously dropped off in COVID, but at its peak, it was quite utilized. Now I can use traditional JLL data to check how that asset's changed over time in its medium price or growth, capital growth or what have you, and start to sell back to my client that perhaps, although it seems like a conservative mindset of a saving mindset at the moment, perhaps an earning mindset and utilizing and buying assets undervalued is the time to move now. So that's how we can start to use historical data that we have, but also use new data that's available. With regards to the workplace, uh, are workplace managers asking the right questions and looking in the right places for information? A lot of the existing systems that are in place today um, support probably a lot of what, a lot of the answers, sorry, that people are trying to find uh, in the in the current environment. It may just be that they're not, you know, maximizing the, the use of those solutions or they don't understand necessarily what the full capabilities of a, of a product are. Rebecca, on that, I'll give you an example, right? So a tangible example. So obviously IoT sensors was a big thing pre-COVID and everyone was trying to move into that as a use case. Now it's become um, very important because we've had a, a change in mindset in the in the industry as a whole from a density optimization mindset to a distance type of mindset, you know, to speak broadly. But now where you'd start to utilize that information differently, and as Michael said, definitely into the future, is we've installed these sensors. We've moved from a density to a distance. Great, we're able to track um, are people, you know, sitting too close to each other? Is there that 1.5 meters here in Australia being maintained? These type of uh, questions. But let's try and take that information and use it more broadly in the, into the future. And I'll give you an example around facilities management and a cleaning schedule. If I'm able to know the frequency at which a kitchen or a meeting room or the toilets, you know, the frequency out of the doors of, of the toilets is being used, I can start to optimize my cleaning schedules at how frequently I need these people to come in and clean the office and tactically how I'm going to use that. Of course, that helps me financially, but it also helps keep the health and safety and these types of issues um, 
at the forefront of my mind as a CRE leader or what have you in my business. So I don't think these things are going away. It's rather focusing far more on that inference piece of using the data that's coming in and being able to yield that. We've got a great ingredients. The technologies that we're going to implement are only going to be more and more in this ingredients, but what recipes are we sticking to? I think that's going to be the exciting part moving forward. Yeah, and just and just sorry to add to that as well, Sean. Um, yeah, that point about um, comfort and control in the workplace and well-being in the workplace is is obviously even more important now than it ever has been. I think people were definitely moving towards employees having greater control in general because you know they have it um, in their in their personal lives now. Um, there's no reason why the workplace shouldn't be supporting supporting that too. So I think. They'll definitely need to be a much bigger focus now on making people feel like they have control and that they have comfort when they do come into the workplace because there obviously is still a lot of uncertainty. You know, people are, I wouldn't say living in fear so much, but there's definitely risks associated with returning to the office too soon or even returning in general. And so, you know, these data sources and the technology that, you know, we, we have access to and we are going to use needs to be used not just to answer questions, but to help employees feel comfortable in the workplace, help help them realize that, you know, as an organization, our employees' well-being is is uh, front of mind. We we are focusing on it. We want to make sure that if you are going into the come in, come into the office or if we're going to request that you do, that you feel good about it. Um, and if you don't, that's obviously not going to do wonders for productivity and collaboration. So, you know, it's something that definitely needs to have a, a big focus. So how do you suggest people who have access to that data and information make that information transparent to end users who you say, you know, would like to feel like they have some control over their safety and the way they sort of operate in workplaces? Yeah, I mean, if I give give you one example, um, something that we've definitely uh, noticed as a, a trend and, and a lot of increased activity within is is systems or tools, or even just in general the the theory of, of booking desks. So we know that organisations have had you know systems and tools for booking things like conference rooms and meeting spaces, you know, historically. Um, so that's definitely not new. But the whole world of being able to book desks in advance of coming to the office, um, you know, I can speak to some. Some examples that I've um, experienced recently, where um, unless you're at an office by 8 a.m., it's it's extremely rare that you'll you'll get a seat. And if you get a seat, it's not a seat that you know you ideally want to sit in. So there's definitely a push towards allowing employees to see you know what the utilization of their floor or their building looks like before they come to the office. And if they're going to make the effort to sit in traffic for an hour, or if they're going to make the effort to get on a bus to to come to the office, that they want to know that when they get there, there'll be a seat. Um, there'll be a seat near the colleagues they want to collaborate with or that they they want to work with. Um, and so again, that sense of control, knowing that if I'm coming coming into the office, particularly, you know, in the times we're living through, um, you know, that there is some risk. If I do make the make the effort, I want to make sure I'm I'm going to have a seat available. It's a seat that I'm going to feel comfortable sitting in. And then just thinking back to Sean's point, I want to know that you know. That the desk is clean, um, that the cleaning crews or the facility management team is is actually taking sanitization and things like that seriously. Um, and again, all of those little things will contribute to people feeling more comfortable and feeling like they they have control um, in the workplace. Companies are watching their budgets very carefully um, now, and they might see investment in tech as maybe a nice to have. So what would you say about, you know, investment versus value? I think one thing 
we've focused um, a lot with with customers or clients on is that there's absolutely been a a push and a, an increased appetite into new and what we'd call really advanced or cutting edge types of technologies around contract tracing and and you know even to an extent the IoT piece we've mentioned around workplace sensors and and stuff like that and while I think it's it's healthy to have a an appetite for some of that technology there still needs to be a bigger focus on some of the core and fundamental systems that just don't exist um, in the workplace still today. I mean, we still have conversations where people are managing um, various processes or functions within Excel and Excel is a great tool, but it's not a system you can rely on to, um, you know, to provide accurate insights um, or best practice around how you'd answer some of the questions that are being are being asked today. The end goal for the clients you're dealing with, the organizations, is it broadly the same? The story is the same. It's just, um, you know, we've taken a little turn in it. And, I'm, you know, obviously it's quite a big turn with COVID, but the narrative's changed a little bit. Uh, but what I say to that is, you know, we've just got to understand that question, understand where we want to go. And now more than ever, property is really about people. It's not about the tangible assets. It's about the people who are coming to deliver work for us and are here to do a task and do it to the best of their ability because they've chosen to work for us. So we've got to be able to give them an environment that enables them to the best of their ability. And that may change in the future where that's a combination of their home and the office and the office. But whether they come back to the office, um, we've got to be to make sure that it's an environment that they want to live in that's synonymous with and, and you know, relates quite well with their home environment to the point Michael made. And similarly, as we start to talk to perhaps different clients that are looking to expand real estate portfolios at a time like this or optimize them, it's about how can we use historical information, new information and piece all that together to give them the best possible advice. Um, that's where I see the world's going. We're on that track already. We've just been accelerated a little bit. So it's, it's very exciting. That's a great note to finish on. All right, Sean, I'll call you Sean Inference Pereira. Thank you very much for your participation. And Michael, thank you. Such an interesting conversation. In October, JLL Technologies is hosting the webinar, The Smart Office of the Post-Pandemic World covering a lot of what we talked about here, but more specifically the tech that your office needs for a safe and healthy return to work and what you're risking if you choose not to invest. Uh, spots are limited, so get in fast and you can register through JLL's Perspectives podcast page. So that's jll.com.au forward slash perspectives dash podcast. Uh, and there you can also get in touch directly with Michael or Sean and read their profiles uh, and listen to all our other Perspectives podcast episodes. Thanks for listening. I'm Rebecca Kent.